Amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of John. The book of John, chapter number 8 this morning. John, chapter number 8. I know probably every sermon I've preached at this church uh, has been on the screens, um, but today we're going to go the old-fashioned way. I have notes, and I don't even know what to do with them. Um, John, chapter number 8 this morning. Um, I uh, First of all, let me put a... Uh, I uh, prelude on this sermon, and, and I apologize uh, ahead of time. Uh, I'm not feeling 100% this morning, and uh, so if you'll just bear with me um, through it, uh, I would appreciate it. But the Lord uh, kind of redirected my path uh, today uh, to John chapter number 8, and I just want to share a few things uh, from John chapter number 8 for you this morning. I've, I've entitled the message, if you want to take notes, I've entitled the message, Sure Foundation, Sure Foundation. This week... Um, I was uh, driving, and I was driving through a very large uh, parking garage, and I got on the first floor. Now, I'll be honest with you about heights. They are not my friend. How many of you really do not like heights? Okay. Well, we're all in the same boat together. I'm not a big heights fan. Now, I love roller coasters because roller coasters, you go up and you go down very quickly. And you don't have to think about it a lot. But when you're driving in a parking garage, I love parking on the first level. And if I don't get on the first level, I'm really happy with the second level. But having to go all the way to the top is not something I enjoy doing. Well, the other day I was uh, in this parking garage and, and I was circling and circling and circling and circling. And finally, I mean, there was just no parking spaces. And I got to the very top and I got out of the car and the wind was blowing. I mean, it was blowing really good. And I thought, man, I must be a long ways up. And so I did something that I, don't, that I actually regret. I looked over the side. And it was a long ways down. And then I got to thinking about this parking garage, and I thought, you know, I don't know anything about construction, and you know that, but one thing that I, I kind of had to figure out about this parking garage is, first of all, it has to have a very strong foundation. I mean, it's, it's, it's parking all of these cars. And then I thought, you know what, every single level of this parking garage is a different foundation. Because it's got to hold that, that amount of vehicles. And then you get to the very top and you've got to have all of these strong foundations. And then I thought about our lives. And I thought, you know what? The truth of the matter is, is that we have a foundation in the Lord. If we're saved here today, God has given us a foundation. He's given us something to build upon. Most of us, when we get saved, unfortunately, we never build on the foundation. We just stay secure within it. But God, I believe with all my heart, wants us to build above the foundation. You see, you think about a home, and you think about uh, the way a home begins and the foundation and how they cut out all the plumbing and all the electrical and all that stuff. And when that is on the ground, none of it looks amazing. Matter of fact, none of it even looks livable. But they begin to put the trusses up and they begin to put the walls up and all of a sudden it becomes an amazing piece of work. And no one ever thinks about the foundation again until it cracks. Right? But if it wasn't for the foundation, there would be no beauty. God has given us a foundation and as the children of God were to build upon it. God not only gave us a great foundation within himself, but he gave, gave us a great foundation 
of this nation. And I began to think about this nation, and then we're going to bring it down to our own lives. And, and I just want to kind of give you a few things to kind of lay the foundation, if I can, for our message today. The great, this great nation was founded by men who trusted and believed in God. Please note the sure foundation of the men who stood on the Word of God and stood for America. To make America the great land that it is, 55 Americans pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Listen to this. 52 of the 55 men were orthodox, deeply committed Christians. That's what our nation was founded upon. It's interesting to note that nine signers of the Declaration of Independence died of wounds during the Revolutionary War. Five were captured or imprisoned, and in some cases with brutal treatment. The wives, the sons, and the daughters of others were killed, jailed, mistreated, persecuted, and left penniless. One was driven from his wife's deathbed and lost all of his children. The houses of 12 signers were burned to the ground. Eleven lost everything they owned. Every signer was prescribed as a traitor. Everyone was hunted. Most were driven into flights. Most were at one time or another barred from their families or their homes. Most were offered immunity, freedom, rewards, their property, or the lives and release of loved ones if they would break their pledged word and seek the king's protection. Their fortunes were forfeit, but their honor was not. No signer defected or changed his sand throughout the darkest hours. Their honor, like the nation, remained intact. These men died, and most are almost forgotten by their countrymen. This does not really matter. What does matter is that we remember that freedom comes at a cost. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? Our nation has been through many heartaches. And our nation has been through many wars and turmoils. And yet we sit here on this April day. And we look at the foundation of America crumbling around us. And it's crumbling around us not because of America but because of us. It's crumbling because we are not building on the foundation that was laid. Today, I want to help you and encourage you about three sure foundations in our lives that absolutely cannot change. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter number 8. Would you stand with me this morning? John chapter number 8. We're going to start reading in verse number 31. John chapter number 8, verse number 31. We're going to read down to verse number 36. The Bible says this, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Verse 36, If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's say our prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together. 
Lord, I pray that you'll help me as I uh, attempt to relay and to give the things that you've uh, spoken to me about. Lord, I pray that you'll bless my uh, throats and my, and my words. Lord, as I, again, try to relay the truth that you've uh, uh, prescribed. And Lord, may we be challenged today knowing that our foundation is in you and that we need to build off of that foundation. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Verse 31, the Bible says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. This is a very interesting statement that Jesus makes. He says, if you continue in my word, this is the reason. Because so many Jews believed Jesus, but they did not believe on Jesus. There was a, a huge disconnect there. They, they, would, they would hear Jesus speak and they would believe the words that he would say. But they never came to an acknowledgement of who he was. John chapter 8 and verse number 31, the emphasis there is if ye, that's the word, if ye, they must truly trust him, not just, uh, 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 just understand him mentally and, and get the concepts mentally, but they must fully trust in him. Verse 34, I want you to see Jesus answered him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. That verse can be misleading, and so therefore I want to make sure you understand it. That word, that verse is not saying that if you sin, uh, in verse 34, uh, that you're a servant of sin. That's not what it's saying. Uh, if you sin one or two times or, or you make a mistake, it's not saying that. It's saying that those that continue in sin, the Bible says, should you continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid. And so it is those that continue to make their life uh, uh, divulged into sin become a servant to sin. And it's very interesting that when you think about a servant, you translate that word in the Greek, it says slave. A slave, you become a slave to sin. A slave had no guarantee. They could be sold at any moment. They could be given away through, through marriage or, or through other ways. There was no stability for a slave. Just as it is whenever we become a servant to sin, there is no stability in our life. Today, I want to share with you three sure foundations that if we will gravitate to these, that I promise that we will find ourselves rooted in the Word of God, rooted in our lives, so that we can continue on in the chaos and in the mess of this world. Number one, if you're taking notes, the foundation of faith. The foundation of faith. You say, Pastor, uh, are we getting, uh, it seems like that we're going back to the beginning here. We're, 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 we're starting at the beginning of our Christian life. I believe with all my heart that, that what happens within Christianity is that we get so complacent and we get so, uh, we get so happy with where we are at that we forget where we came from and we forget how important our foundation really is. You see the foundation of faith. I want you to look at verse 32. The Bible says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. First of all, I want you to know that there's a certainty in our faith. There's a certainty in our faith. And you shall know the truth. Who's the truth? I can't hear you. Jesus is the truth. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? 
sets you free. The truth is Jesus Christ. And if you know or have faith in the truth, it will set you free. You say, Pastor, I feel like that, I, I, that I'm in bondage. I feel like that, that the things around me have me and, and they won't let me go. Can I tell you something? If you know the truth, if you invest yourself in the truth, the truth will set you free. There's a certainty in our faith. Listen, there's a certainty in Jesus Christ. I want you to know that it is not a, a fictional story that, that Jesus Christ went to the cross and that he died and was buried and rose again on the third day. That is the truth. That is the truth. It changes not. Jesus Christ did what he said he did. There's certainty in that. Listen, I can be certain. I can be certain that if I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, that I am in Christ and that I am with Christ. And at the end of my life, I will be in heaven with Christ. See, that's my my certainty in my faith. The currency in which we use today says, in God we trust. Many of you know I worked in the armored car industry for many years. And one of my jobs was is that when money would come in from the banks or from other places was to catch counterfeit money. And when I first started working there, that was a very difficult thing for me. We have machines, we have all kind of stuff, but people are very crafty. People are very smart, maybe that's a better word. And they've learned how to cheat the system. And I remember as I started learning what counterfeit money would look like and what it felt like, and literally, this is going to sound weird, but what it smells like, I began to recognize it more and more. But I remember one day, we got a batch of money in, and it went through all of my counters as I was a manager. It went through all my counters. It looked good. Everything was right. There was only one flaw, and no one caught it. On the back of the bill, it said, in God we trust, just like the ones we have, except it was missing the in. It's the only thing it was missing. And that money went from our plant to a bank. And I remember getting a call one day that said, hey, we've got, we've got a whole batch of counterfeit money. And this is what the person on the other said. It said, it sure looks like it. As close as I've ever seen But it's just missing one element. And I begin to think about our Christian lives. And I begin to think about, you know, many people look like it. Many people can even act like it. Many people, it's hard to distinguish whether or not. My question today is, is are we secure in our foundation? Or are we just putting on the act? Are we just counterfeit Christians? Please don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you the truth that I believe with all my heart that many people are walking around and they're counterfeit. And when, 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 when the times get tough and things get difficult, instead of turning to God, they turn away from God because there's a counterfeit there. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want my foundation to be so secure and so solid that there is nothing counterfeit about me. That I want to be a true Christian. Someone that is sold out completely to God because... Of how I secured my foundation. You see, first of all, there's a certainty of our faith. Secondly of all, there's a course of our faith. There's a course of our faith. Listen, I still believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Let me try that again. I still believe that God created the heavens and the earth. I believe Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I do not, 
I do not care what science says. God created it. God did it. That is a course. That is the very foundation of who we are. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yes, it takes faith to believe that. Yes, it takes faith to understand that. But I want you to know that history tells us that the very foundation of who we are, it all began with God. If He's the Alpha and He's the Omega, He has to be the beginning and the end. He has to be the Creator. Not only that, when we think about the creation, I want you to know that I believe that it is only through Jesus Christ that we obtain salvation. I believe that He is the only way. John chapter 3 and verse number 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That has not changed. Are you with me this morning? You say, Pastor, this seems elementary. I think we're missing it, though. I really do. I think we're missing it in our faith. I think we're missing it in our life that Jesus Christ is the very foundation of who we are. The Lord Jesus Christ made the escape for every one of us. We just have to accept His only way. Not only that, not only I believe that, that God began it in creation, that God, that God sealed it in salvation, but that There is eternity to come. And that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. Listen to me, church, this morning. There is a heaven and there is a hell. That has not changed. We we want to say, you know what? I don't want to talk about the bad part of it all. And that's the problem with churches and Christianity today is that we're afraid to preach the truth. We're afraid to say, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're going to go to a place called hell. It is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. And, I, and the truth of the matter is, is that if we don't get that idea, if we don't get that concept, that if we do not accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that, that hell is a place that is real, and that people all around us that are lost without Jesus Christ are going to go there. John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Thomas said this, how do we go the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. Listen, he didn't say, and please don't get mad at me. He didn't say the church was the way. He didn't say another man was the way. He didn't say another religion was the way. He didn't even say the Baptists are the way. He said, I am the way. Listen, don't, don't get caught up in all this, all this religious and, and, and manifestations that are taking place in our world. What we need to get caught up in is the foundation of who Jesus is. He's forever. And He is our eternity. Not only that, our course started at creation and manifested itself in salvation. It will continue itself into eternity. But what about here on earth? We need to finish the course. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7, the Bible says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. You ready? I have kept the faith. I've kept the faith. I cannot tell you What a greater testimony that could be given of anyone 
than for someone as, as we're laying in our funeral saying that they have finished their course and that they've kept the faith. What a testimony. What a testimony. Faith should be like one, one pastor one time. The congregation was gathering together to pray for rain. And he got into the pulpit, he looked at his flock, and he severely said this, Brothers and sisters, you all know why we are here, to pray for rain. Now what I want to know is, where is your umbrellas? Right? If we have the faith enough to pray for it, we have to put faith into action. We have to put faith into action. It's number one, the foundation of our faith. Number two, and this is really where I want to kind of hone in on today. I want you to take your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter number six. Deuteronomy chapter number six. Number two, the foundation of family. The foundation of family. I want you to look with me in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, starting in verse number 4. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. We talk about the foundation of faith, but secondly, I want to talk to you about the foundation of family. The foundation of family. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 6 gives a a declaration to Israel to keep the commandments of God. Verse number 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Listen, our family should be based and founded that God is the only God in our home. Please don't get mad at me, but I'm just going to tell you like it is, All right, The TV is not your God in your home. The, the, the things that you wear and the things that you do are not the God in your home. Your home should be founded upon God. When somebody says to you or somebody says to your children, what is your home founded on? Your children should be able to answer, my home is founded on God. My home is not founded on my finances. My home is not founded on the things that we have. My home is founded on God. And that is the center of our home. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And because of that, what do we have to do? Verse number five, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Everything is to be surrounded by him. I want you to know, first of all, that, that the priorities of our family should be set straight. The priorities of our family should be set straight. As Christians, we should ensure that we are taking time with our families and not letting the world prioritize our lives. 
The world is not in charge of our family. God is in charge of our family. And God has instituted the, mo- the mom and the dad and whomever else is, is instituted into that place. And, and they've in- God has instituted that so that you can have priority in your family and so that you can take your family and lead them toward the priority of who God is. Listen. And, and please, I, I just want you to understand my heart more than anything. The conversation about God should be more than, hey, we're getting up and going to church. I'm afraid that within our families, the only time we ever talk about God is when we say, let's get up and go to church because it's the Lord's day. And then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he never even gets brought up. He never even gets talked about. And we wonder, why isn't our children gravitating to who God is? Because God is not the central theme of our homes. Every other activity and everything else that we do takes up so much of our time that we do not prioritize where God is in our home. Can I tell you, moms and dads, that responsibility lies to us. To make sure that we make God a priority in our lives so that God is a priority in our family's lives. Listen, when when I say priority, I mean that he's in our decision making. He's in everything that we do. Look look what it says with verse number seven. And thou shalt teach them. Do you see that? And thou shalt teach them. You know, we talk about the Ten Commandments all the time. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. What does God tell us that we should do? Here it is. And thou shalt teach them. How should we teach them? What's the next word? Diligently. Diligently. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And we talk of them when we're walking, by the way. And we talk of him when we lie down. And we talk of him when you rise up. He is everything. He is incorporated into everything in our lives. Not only the priorities of our family, but the practices of the family. We need to ensure that we're teaching our family all that we know about the word of God and what he's done for us. If you were to go to my son, which don't bombard him after church, all right? But if you were to go to my son and you were to say, has God ever taught your family any lessons that you know about? You know what my son would say? My son would say, God has taught us, our family, more lessons than we thought we needed to be taught. You say, Pastor, what are you getting at? I don't hide my children. I do not hide the circumstances in my life from my children because it's my job to teach them. You know, it's amazing that we teach them how to drive. We teach them, hopefully, how to handle their finances. We teach them and tell them that they should go to school. We teach them the things not to do and the things to do. And we teach them all these things. But do we ever teach them about who God is? Do we ever teach them that whenever struggles come in your life and they're going to happen, it's okay, turn to God. Whenever struggles do happen in your life, don't give up on God. And by the way, here's an example. Here's where God really, really worked in our family's life. And we didn't know how it was all going to turn out. But then God took us from 
here and he, to here. And that's why we are building and have a foundation as a family on the Word of God. Because God will never fail us. Our kids graduate from high school and they go off to college and they're looking for something that won't fail them. And they go searching and searching and searching throughout all the things in life. And then finally when they come to their senses, what do they find out? The one thing that will never fail them is God. And hopefully mom and dad has taught them that. You say, Pastor, you're being awful hard this morning. I, I don't know how to say this. But I, I, I'm, I'm watching our generations slip out from under us. I'm watching our young people find gratification in everything but God. I'm finding them being able to make the decision whether or not mom and dad go to church. I'm finding them trying to, trying to look for life. And if they would just realize that life is only found in Jesus Christ. Certainly they'll make mistakes. Certainly they'll mess up. But as a family, we have to learn to prioritize. And we have to learn to practice the truths of the word of God. And then thirdly, our pattern. Look at verse 8. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house. And on thy gates. If I could translate that, those two verses for you, it would be this. It would take us a little further uh, into the Word of God, into the book of Psalms. Where the Bible says to hide the Word of God in your heart that you might not sin against Him. What God is saying here to the nation of Israel is, learn who I am. Memorize who I am. And teach it to your families. Could I ask you a question this morning? How is your foundation? You see, if, you're never, if you never have a strong foundation of faith, then you'll never have a strong foundation as a family. We are entering into the months leading up to some of the greatest decisions that our kids will ever make in life. Graduation. And you say, Pastor, maybe I've failed and haven't. Set the foundation. Can I tell you something this morning? It is never too late. It's never too late. But here's, here's where it starts. It starts with you. And it starts with me. I've said this to you many times. And I, I'm just going to reiterate it one more time. And then we're going to be done. If we as Christians... And as leaders in our homes do not have a personal, private time with God every day of our lives, we are failing our families. What do you mean, Pastor? Reading your Bible and praying. Reading your Bible and praying. Reading your Bible. And praying. Reading your Bible and praying. Why? Because that's 
the foundation. That's the foundation. What is it that your home is built upon? He said, Pastor, I don't have any children. That's okay. You have influence somewhere. There is someone that you are influencing. It may be in your workplace. It may be extended family. It may be uh, friends. Whatever the case might be. If you have a strong foundation, people will notice and people will see it. But can I tell you that when your foundation is weak, they will also watch you crumble. So how is your foundation? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?